Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. The reality of South Africa. We're in conversation with people who have lost their jobs or are in the process of losing their jobs. We always talk about stats and different ways of creating employment. Today, we change the tune slightly. We talk to men and women who have been directly affected by retrenchment. The infamous Section 189 in terms of the Labor Relations Act. HR director at a particular South African company, Mr. Lindon Dwandwe, is on the line to talk to us. And I'm sure we're going to be joined by many people in who find themselves in these precarious positions. Lindon, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Very good evening, my brother. How are you? I'm well, sir. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. I understand that you are one who finds oneself in a difficult position. Let's talk first about your being an HR director and how difficult and painful it must be after all is said and done internally that you have to now be the bearer of bad news to that affected employee in relation to a Section 189 retrenchment. Well, my brother, it is always difficult to handle such uh, discussions with employees because, uh, you, I mean, we know that uh, the economy in the country has been doing very bad. I mean, from year to, to 2011 up to now, the unemployment rate has been at least more than 26%. I mean, as we speak today, perhaps the, the rating is way more than 30%. Um, and, and to handle such discussions with employees uh, when they are getting retrenched, it's always a painful situation. Um, of course, as, as an HR practitioner, I've done this many times, and it's, it's always like something new when you do it. Um, I've done it, uh, I've got 20 years' experience in the HR field, but when you have to discuss such topics with employees and everyone is affected, even to those who are not affected because you still have to... Mm as their anxiety and emotional status when the time when this happens. It is always very difficult and very challenging and very painful for everyone, for management, for employees, for HR as a team. It is always a painful, painful subject. Here's what oftentimes employers miss, and that is as soon as an organization thinks or has reason to believe that it may have to go the route of Section 189, as at that point it ought to take its workforce into its confidence. I know because I've practiced in this particular space of labor relations in Cape Town, companies will delay breaking those news until they absolutely cannot hold it anymore. And I think in there also lies the inherent compromise in that you take so much power away from the employee who could assist in making this 189 notice effectively that much more seamless, therefore that much more bearable. But you find that employers don't break the news as soon as they have the slightest hint that that may be the eventuality. Why do you think that is? I think now you are speaking as a prophet because in my situation, we were told as management um, around April last year, 2019, um, uh, when, because we're a global organization. So the, the global executive visited us in April last, last year, and we thought it was a normal visit. As, as always, they come and see us, and we prepared our presentations in terms of, you know, 
uh, giving them update and feedback in terms of our performance and the plans going forward. Um, we're sitting in the boardroom as management and as directors. As we started doing our presentation, he said, guys, stop. My, my visit is not exactly normal today. Today I'm telling you that with better decision globally that the organization will be closed. It was a shock for us. It was, it was around April last year, but we had to keep those news um, as, uh, confidential until around June last year uh, to tell employees. It took about two, two to three months to, 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 to break the news to employees. And it was painful to, to, to us as local management team to see to that, uh, knowing that in the next two or three months, we will be telling the guys that um, the business is no longer going to be existing in the Southern Africa. Um, it, I, I, I mean, it, it is very difficult, you know, especially with the global organization. They tend to set timelines based on their understanding uh, of business and not understanding and not taking into account local um, um, uh, sort of uh, requirements and principles in terms of the process. Because the earlier that you create the news, the better for everyone to, to begin to understand um, what assistance is required for them, the better for them to start looking for alternatives assisted by the company as well. Let's take a couple of calls. I understand we have one Manusha who is in the process of serving one's notice period. And Anusha is calling in from Uppington. I wonder what her experience has been like now that she knows she is 5-2 from not having to report to her organization. Manusha, thank you so much for calling. We appreciate your voice and the courage with which you're going to be speaking about your situation. Let's find out from yourself what's going on. Uh, well, from my side, I think um, it's just the whole process. Sitting on HR, you always think that uh, you will be the one giving the bad news, you know, to Section 189. And having to be on the other side, receiving it, is, um, it's actually quite a different uh, situation, you know. Um, you'd never think you'd face that situation. And especially being within the field, you would expect to have some transparency, you know, around the situation. I have to admit, in my situation, um, it was totally the opposite. Sitting in HR, I had no idea that it was coming, and yet the organization was saying that, you know, um, we're not going through retrenchments, etc., and then only to step in and get a letter. So I think for me it was quite a shock. And coming from an HR perspective, you always want the transparency, you want the communication, or at least you expect it, because that's what you're giving and serving to your customers and all your departments that you serve, the transparency and the communication. I mean, you don't receive that back. Obviously, it's, it's quite a shock. Um, and for HR, you, you want that. You want that transparency. So absolutely a shock from, from my side. Talking about the shock, I mean, I'm sure you would have been in a position before to communicate the message you have now received to your colleagues who are not in the HR space. How would it have happened before that perhaps it was different now because it is you and you understand the process and you are in HR? And in many instances, such conversations would obviously have had to have taken place without you in the knowledge until the bomb proverbially dropped. How was the process different this time to what the organization typically does? I think it was um, a process of change management. Generally, when something is about to come, we kind of prepare um, our staff of what's to come, what's happening in the organization. Um, so it's that whole change management process, you know, allowing people to go through the phase of 
understanding what's coming, and then taking them through the process. So I think in this in this um, situation, um, it was totally abandoned. You know, uh, there was no process followed, or especially when um, uh, you are aware that something's coming. You know. Um, you can understand and prepare yourself mentally of what's going to come. Could it be me? What processes are they using, etc.? So um, I think from this phase, we missed that totally. We didn't prepare ourselves. So I think that's the shock of it, especially if we are giving out communication saying there is no retrenchment. Uh, and then suddenly here it comes. So I think that's where we missed, um, missed the whole point. The whole taking people through the the, the change management process, because obviously it's an emotional time for everyone. We understand with the whole COVID situation that, you know, things could be impacted. But if you're falsely um, led to believe that it's not going to happen and it happens, obviously it creates a lot of emotion, a lot of confusion, and then, you know, a lot of doubt comes into the whole process. And it's all about the trust. I mean, any organization that you work with, you, you go into the organization and give your best based on trust. So if that's not reciprocated, then obviously uh, a whole lot of emotions come into play. Mm, 0891-104-207. Thoughts about retrenchment to those who are sitting at home and can identify with some of the thoughts that have been expressed by Lindo, who's an HR director at a global business that now the Southern African operations are closed because of how things are taking place in the world. And you can even identify perhaps with even our own Manusha here in Uppington, who is in the HR space. Both of them, in fact, are in the HR space. And they, so to speak, have been blindsided. You're thoughts are more than welcome. Let's go on to Refilwe, Ms. Refilwe Saseko, who was in the hospitality industry. And of course, large-scale retrenchments have for sure ensued in that space. Your thoughts, comments, and experience. Refilwe, good evening. Thanks for calling. Good evening. How are you? I'm oh, well, ma'am. How do you do? Well, I'm surviving. We appreciate that. you want to share your, your thoughts, your experiences with us, please? Yeah. So I got retrenched last year. And um, it was around March, and I had just found out that I was pregnant. Uh, I was three months pregnant at that time. Yeah. So you can just imagine um, what was going through my mind. Uh, but, yeah, I actually, I survived. Um, at first, I didn't know what was going to happen with me. I mean, you go around um, the industry and try to get um, a job and, you know, they see that you're pregnant and, you know, it's, it's an alarm for them because now you'll have to take time off, you know, so it was a bit of a challenge. Um, and what I did was then I decided to actually start my own company and giving the same service that I was providing when I was employed. This is a success story, and I beg your pardon if those who are at home are hearing this feedback. I don't know from whom it's coming, but we're trying to sort it out. Rafila, so are you saying now you are better off than where you were before you were retrenched? I mean, you speak about the fact that you have opened up a company. Congratulations, and we appreciate your strength and fortitude in all of this. Tell us how the fortunes have been since. It seems we have lost Rafila, I beg your pardon for that. Let's go to Sam Drove, who's in the rental sales. Um, he was once a supervisor at one of the big multinationals and based in Cape Town and lockdown changed all of that. Of course, hardly anybody has had an opportunity up until now, really, to be hiring a vehicle. Sam Drove, your experience, your thoughts, what happened to you? How much of that are you willing to share with us, please? Good evening. Thanks for calling, Mr. Sam Drove. 
Hi, good evening, and uh, to all your listeners as well. Um, I think for me it was it was really devastating because it was unexpected, and um, I think when the whole lockdown started, um, especially when the it was I mean the 21 days announced, um, you all had a hope that you'll be soon back to your jobs, but I mean the situation escalated very quickly. And it became evident that um, the reality is that we might be unemployed and stuff, but still, I mean, nothing could have prepared you. So the whole thing has been really um, shattering. I mean, uh, you have to make new plans, you know, on on how to pay for, I mean, your rent, your car, um, your food and all those things, because the reality is that you live from paycheck to paycheck. So... Um, the reality of of it is is still sinking in, and it's it's not really an easy one. I would imagine it isn't easy, and please stop me to the extent that you feel uncomfortable. But for instance, Refilwe was in the hospitality industry, and she was an events manager there. So she just literally took her skill, which is what she was always selling in the organization that previously employed her, and she has now opened up her own business using the same Refilwe's skill, clientele base even, to do and be in competition with her previous employer. It would be a little bit more difficult for you to do that given the fact that, well, the rental car hire business is a capital intensive business, and you would almost have a lot, you would need a lot of capital upfront to be able to open up. So in that sense, you can't exactly do what Rafilwe has done, unless I've got it all wrong, and I'll invite you to correct me. What then, from what you have seen, from what you are thinking, is the plan to keep standing up, soldier? Um, well, well, definitely, as long as I think it's, it's quite different, um, because the rental, the car rental business is, is works totally different. I mean, from the ownership of cars, you actually, like, just recycling them into the entire chain of up until they end up to 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 a second hand um pre owned sales and stuff but so it's quite a, a capital intensive uh, business to get into so it wouldn't be um an immediate option for me but i think a plan for me now is to obviously upskill and 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 start actually um, looking at how I can first use the skills that I've gained um, within the automotive industry for the past years that I've, I've been in the business, but also look at upskilling in any way possible. I mean, the job market right now, the, the, even though there's quite a lot of people who are competing for few positions, but I think actually looking at putting more uh, skills and, 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 and all of that in my profile would actually give me more range in terms of what I can do. Um, but yes, also looking at um, entrepreneurship in the long run, I think that would be um, the ultimate um, solution because truth is it will take time for, for for employers to actually get back to where they were because I mean, we're still going to see the impact of this, I mean, years from now, because companies are not going to, to recover immediately. So that's sure. exactly and um, also the plan for me in the long run. 
Doesn't sound like one can keep a good man down. One such good man who worked today was as a supervisor in the rental sales, Mr. Samdlov, giving us his thoughts in terms of his dawn, his new dawn, his dawn in making still a better man of himself and making sure that he can put bread on the table for those who are reliant on him. Kashogji, 2018. Retrenchments must start from the top going down. Why is it always affecting the laborers who are earning less and leave the senior management and they, the senior management that is, are not even willing to take a pay cut regardless of how a company is suffocating. Your thoughts on these contributions and more after the break, 0891-104-207. We're talking about retrenchments. We've got voices of those persons who have just gone through the process or who are going through the process. We would also welcome your thoughts at home. Songa Zomabek on The Viewpoint returns after this. Songa Zomabek on SAFM. Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act reads, dismissals based on operational requirements. Sub 1. When an employer contemplates dismissing one or more employees for reasons based on the employer's operational requirements, the employer must consult any person whom the employer is required to consult in terms of a collective agreement. And, of course, it goes and lists in the many subsections. But critical is when an employer contemplates, not when the decision has been made that people will be dismissed. It is when the contemplation strikes the employer. And I am very sure many people can speak to experiences where that particular section of the Labor Relations Act has been wholly ignored by employers. Let's go to Colin in Cape Town, who has thoughts on this wonderful conversation that I'm having with Manusha, Lindo, Refilwe, and Sam. Good evening, Colin. Good evening, Good evening, your guest. You know, I've listened to your program. I've spoken so many times about labor relations. I've been a shop steward for 18 years. I worked 45 years for government. You know, uh, is there anybody like a watchdog that watches companies, even government departments, how HR go around with their practice? Because so many years now I've been hearing HR on doing the work. They are employing people who um, they want to employ. People unqualified after three, four, five years, they discover, no, the qualifications is not up to standard. Because when I was at work, and um, your clerk and yourself, you applied for a job, you filled in the form, then that form went to HR. HR scrutinized, interviewed you, found out if you did work there, they went through all the work. So what I'm trying to ask you, Zengenzo, mm. ask your guest, is today's HR, I'm talking about private, government, right to the country, are they mm. doing their job? If not, who is accountable? Who is holding them responsible for employing the wrong people and firing the wrong people? Because first come... Uh, first in, first out, but it is, if you're a good person, a qualified person, so and so. So I would just like to know if somebody's controlling sure. HR in this country. I'll listen on radio in Gaza. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Colin and Captain. That's a very good question. And I think I'm going to leave it to you to respond to, please, Lindo, because as a former HR director, these are some of the things that HR has to contemplate. In fact, I would even go as far as saying HR is at times not the most popular department within most organizations. How would you respond to the questions that have been posed by our Colin? I think uh, if I want to, if I were to answer that question, uh, my brother, um, on behalf of HR community as a whole in the, in the country and everywhere in the region as well in the Sub-Sahara, um, HR practitioners that we have in the country are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, of course, HR department is always deemed as a bit of bad news all the time. In terms of recruitment, HR departments in all organizations in this country, especially in the private sector, have now implemented stringent uh, rules and, and policies and procedures in terms of recruitment, for instance, in terms of uh, confirming qualifications. They've got verification processes that they follow. Um, they check criminal records. They check um, everything about the candidate. In fact, it starts from the recruitment agent now. The recruitment agents will definitely ensure that they, they pass on a candidate that has been screened thoroughly to make sure that the candidate has got proper qualifications, proper experience, reference checks have been done, and um, HR ensure that that process is followed. And it is now part of part and parcel of the checking process, the checklist process of each and every HR practitioner in the country for any organization to ensure that those steps are followed to the T. Very well. No, I appreciate that response. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure if Colin is entirely responded to in that, but that's the best answer you can give, and that's what we'll take. Let's go back to Lerato, who unfortunately was cut because of some technical challenge earlier on. Lerato, thanks for joining us. Um, you were still giving us a response in terms of how things have been since you have opened up your own practice. Uh, I will allow you to finish off that response, please, before I ask one more question in relation to your circumstances around the retrenchment. Rafilwe? It's Rafilwe. <laughs> Anyway, um, Sorry about yes. that. No problem. So, um, yeah, I opened up my business. Um, it was registered a long time ago, but it was not in operation. And um, obviously, with me being retrenched, I seized the opportunity that let me just use my skills. And I must say that um, it was a good opportunity for me to be retrenched. Now, I'll tell you why. Some of my uh, clients uh, that I serviced whilst I was... Um, an employee um, actually loved my services and um, one of them actually said that um, I want you to continue being uh, my service provider. And yeah, that's how it started. And to this day, um, it has been a great journey. Obviously, there's been uh, challenges, but it, it has been a great journey. Final question, because it happened at a time where the last thing you wanted to hear was the fact that you were going to be out of a job. The stress perhaps that those might have occasioned on somebody else, not necessarily you, who is pregnant and is in a particularly, I wouldn't say vulnerable, but in a special space in one's physical development anyway, in terms of what's going on and whatever you are thinking, it will translate into the baby that's growing in you and whatever you are consuming. Because right now we've got a conversation on alcohol abuse, particularly among those persons who might be going through challenges. How might you have experienced your pregnancy with the stress of unemployment or impending was, unemployment? It, so it was actually uh, difficult. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I think if I had not received um, support from my family and from the father of my child, 
I don't think I would have carried through with my pregnancy and I would be enjoying motherhood right now. Um, mm. So I, I had a, a great support structure from my family and also uh, the father of my child was also supportive um, financially as well because, you know, when you start off um, a company, you know, invoices don't just come out just like that. You don't just get business mm. just like that. So I had great support structure, and that's what carried me through. But also, I, I just want to say to somebody that is um, probably in the same situation as me, is that you need to stay focused. Challenging as it may be, um, you need to stay focused on the fact that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you look around and you look at what you have and what you can provide. Um, it may be little, but it, it goes a long way. So Let me cut you there, Rafila. I'm sorry about that. We're going to continue after the break. Let me cut you there. We have to take yeah. news now. Greg Hose is on standby. We'll continue with each of you after the break. It's news. 21 hours. Songezo Mapete on The Viewpoint. Good evening, Songezo. I think this issue of Section 189, I think this law is so weak, man. It makes it so easy for companies to retrench even under very, very weak reasons. And they are using this space under the COVID-19 and the weakness of the unions to just get rid of employees that they do not want in the companies. We really, really need to look into these laws. They are not that strict. This is Tom Langer in Foslores. Sia Dilimeli, I beg your pardon, then goes on to say this is an inspirational story from Refilwe. Very encouraging, as Amakosa would say. Great conversation as always, SFM Viewpoint. And whilst we are on that, we certainly, I think it's opportune for us to say thank you so much to our guests, Mr. Lindon Dwandwe, Ms. Rifilwe Seseko, Mr. Sam Ndlovo, as well as Ms. Anusha in Uppington. I'm not going to mention the surname because it's going to be a dead giveaway and she preferred to remain anonymous all the same, to be speaking about something as deeply cutting as is losing a job and in certain instances here not being able to provide or finding oneself at sea in terms of where to next must be incredibly difficult and the courage taken by our guests is something that offers much inspiration especially in a time that offers much darkness in a minute then to all of you your final comments in a minute please where to from now for you um manusha because you've got one paycheck to go and then you have to pretty much start again I think it's back to the grindstone, having faith in yourself and your skills and abilities, um, and just being resilient. Trust uh, in yourself and trust that something uh, good's going to come up. Fantastic. Appreciate your thoughts. Mr. Sam Lovo, final comments for you. I understand you've got big plans for the family. Um, I, I think for me, it's, it's basically just getting back on the saddle and not staying down because I mean that could lead to I mean um, could lead to like depression when you feel like helpless and and actually not being able to provide and stuff so just getting back and um, getting back on the ground and getting uh, another job just throwing myself back into the market again but also not um, sitting but just improving myself as well so that mm. I could be 
uh, well positioned to to and, and be more attractive to actually um, employers and stuff. So it's just getting back right now. Um, that is the plan and staying updated um, so that we don't um, fall through to depression. Sure, fantastic. No, appreciate. Those are the thoughts of Mrs. Hamlover. Martin Luther King says, if you cannot fly, run. If you cannot run, walk. If you cannot walk, crawl. But whatever you do, do not stop moving. And I appreciate the fact that you want to improve yourself. Consistent with the Japanese proverb or adage that says Kaizen. Continuous improvement. Thoughts of Mrs. Hamlover. He's out now. Ms. Refilwe Sasego, events manager, formerly at Circa Events, now owning her own craft. As Usia has said, where one door closes, essentially, another opens. You must be enjoying the view from inside as you open your own door, Refilwe. Not so. Final comment. Well, my final comment, and thanks for, for the compliment. My final comment is that um, it's going back literally to the market. Uh, since we're going on level, well, we are on level two, um, and just being innovative and pushing on, and also taking um, attainable risks. So, yeah, that's just me going to the market and saying that I am here and I'm here to stay. Taking attainable risks sounds like some very wise words because, well, she's lived and proven them to be true. Final comment then from you, Mr. Lindon Duandwe. Final comment, where to next? I think uh, basically it's to accept in a simple run, um, turn the negative into something good, use the opportunity to move on and to, bigger, to do bigger things. Um, at the moment, I've partnered with uh, some of the colleagues. Um, we started a training and development uh, organization, which we are pushing now, pro bono, no salary yet. Um, so we're pushing it, we're plowing, we're plowing and plowing. So we're hoping to reap the fruits. I certainly have the same hope for you as well as for those who are looking to you for some inspiration. Thank you then, everybody who was part of this conversation, talking about retrenchments and the considerations that many who haven't been through the process will scarcely ever imagine to be real and true. We end off with that particular part of the segment.